I grew a vegetable garden. I started making compost. Well, not you before. You are my father. That's what my father did. Does that frighten you yeah, when you say those scary. words? Yeah, it should. A little bit, yeah. Tell your therapist. You yeah, want to jot I, that honey, down, put it in a piece of paper and take it It's been recorded. Okay, okay good. Yeah. Hello, I'm Ed Begley, Jr. I'm willing to do anything to help the planet. I think getting a LEED Platinum certification is better than getting a winning lottery ticket. I think my family showers should be timed, and I love my wife. I'm Rochelle Carson Begley, and at least my showers are shorter than the time it takes to actually heat up the water. And I love Ed. In this episode about food, we'll be talking about... Organic versus locally grown. Microwave versus stovetop cooking. And we also have a question from a listener. What are the green benefits for becoming vegan? Hey everybody, welcome back to Begley-esque. This week we're sinking our teeth into the topic of food. We love that you're all listening, downloading episodes, inspiring us with what you do to go green. And speaking of food, Gene tweeted, I cook as organic, whole, local, sustainable, ethical, humane, and waste-free as I can. Reduce, reuse, recycle. That is awesome, Gene. Keep it up. Wow, good for her. So what green things have you been up to? Oh, okay. So for you today is every day is a green day, isn't it, Ed? You went to that summit, the uh, Environmental Media Impact Summit. Right. And got to feel um, good about yourself, which is a good thing. It's all good, right? Thank you. Yes. Very nice, honey. Wow, this is a whole new chapter for you. (laughs) And and what did I do today? Well, um, let me guess, shopping. The day isn't over. The day is not over. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't happen. So I have, I have a goal. I will uh, do something. I will take a walk because it's actually quite lovely out. And not only walking is good for your health, but it is good for what? It's good for the environment. Exactly. Now, when this episode goes up, I might be already in Paris. We'll be thinking of you fondly. <laughs> Bon voyage, honey. <laughs> adieu. I will, yes. I will say au, adieu. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. No, I bid you adieu. I know you do. Something about the food in Europe. Uh, it is so much cleaner than the food here. Why is that, Ed? Do you know why? What do you mean when you say cleaner? I just it's feel... not served in a dirty dish? What no. do you mean? I just feel like it's purer or somehow i think that i don't know like they're you know farm to table a little more than we know they don't have those big grocery stores with prepackaged food and all that they really do sort of more live for the day you know yeah i've always had a good nutritious meal in europe and paris and in rome and uh, I, I love the food in europe it's very good i like the food here but there's some great meals to be had in europe and what they and i don't think they have genetically modified they won't allow it they it's won't banned. allow it so I don't have to worry about that. They banned it. They are really ahead of the curve, aren't they? In many in, ways. In so many ways. You know what? In Europe, there's this ugly cells in this produce aisle. That's this article that I was reading. It's basically the ugly ducklings of the produce aisle are increasingly admired for their inner swans, meaning I guess the uglier the better. Called. Well, it doesn't necessarily, I'm not sure it always makes it better, but it certainly doesn't make it worse just because it doesn't look good. That was the horrible thing about that chemical alar years ago. It didn't kill any right. pest or what have you. Did nothing like that. There's 1989 when people were finally fed up with it. All it did was make apples look prettier. Indeed, not just prettier, more uniform. That's all it did. And it was a toxic chemical. It was a toxic, so, but, but also, I mean, 
which I didn't really think about, but that does mean that farmers end up tossing out huge amounts of food. Because they fails. think it won't sell. I know. But now there's a market for it. Good, because it good just for them. cosmetic standards. And in some cases, as much as 20 to 40% of the produce gets wasted, which is shocking when they're... What are you going to say? I know you're going to say Look something. Look at a guy like me. You know, there probably wouldn't be much of a market for a guy like me in any of the aisles. And uh, That's you know, for sure. Nowadays, you know, I'm not, appearances are everything. So I can't I, throw you away? You no, you can't, honey. I have so value. You, you see? do have value. Just because you're not the most you attractive take me home piece in your of cart. fruit in the, in, the, <laughs> in, in the produce section. Um but this was declared in the European Union in 2014, the year against food waste. Wow, I am very impressed. And a French retailer, Intermarché, Intermarché, I don't, can't speak French. Anyway, which is going to be interesting when I go to Paris. But yeah. the country's third largest supermarket took that initiative viral, which means they launched uh, Inglorious Fruits and Vegetables campaign to get consumers to see the beauty of the ugly produce. And how did it work? Did it work I out? I think it worked out really, really well. Good. Um, yeah, the disfigured eggplants and the ugly carrots and the unfortunate clementines. <laughs> and this, and and it was a temporary experiment in stores, um, you know, but they actually sold it at a 30% discount. And, but I'm to, available at a steep <laughs> discount too, by the <laughs> That's way. That's right. Yes. All my bruises actually, and different I'll actually just markings. give you away. But the initial campaign launched, but was so successful that they, they did it again. And they're doing it, and a lot of competitors did it. So it became very, very successful and very vogue to do it. See? You see? That's making lemonade. There's hope for the lemons. less attractive. This, that is the moral of the story, I suppose. So uh, I will report back on um, delicious meals that I have because I'm always having something delicious there. You know, because they've had to, they are very conscientious about their environment and about their space and their reuse of things. And they aren't as disposable as we are. We really are a disposable uh, society here, aren't we? And we I, use way too much single-use plastic. That's my opinion. Yeah. I don't think they do. I don't know that to be true these days, but we'll find out and I'll report back for sure. I want a full report on my desk when you return. Yeah, okay. All right. Enough about us, what we've been up to this week. We want to hear from you how your week has been. So we asked what you guys have been doing to help the planet, and some of you sent us some great updates. Uh, Tom from Minnesota said he had a great time showing his Chevy Volt with the Minnesota Plug-In Vehicles Owner Circle at the Bacon Museum in Minneapolis. With his old car, he uses 18 barrels of oil per year, but his Chevy Volt, he only uses three and a half barrels of oil per year. Now, that's impressive. Very good. I'm very proud to know Tom from Minnesota. We're very grateful Thank that you, he wrote Tom. in. Thank you, Tom. Good for you. Tell us if you've got something to share, something to help make your life better, help you become happier, help you save money, or help the environment. We want to know. Because, <laughs> you know, we need all the help we can get. <laughs> Please let us know by tweeting us at Begley-esque, or email your stories and questions at Begley-esque at gmail.com. That's B-E-G-L-E-Y-E-S-Q-U-E at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 657-234-5393 or 657-Begley-3. Please give us some of your highlights. It's got to be more interesting than what happened to us this week. Please. This is a little segment we like to call Cash in the Green. And today you'll learn how you can save when it comes to food. 
fast food versus cooking at home, what saves more money, what's better for you, what's better for the planet. Organic, you know, versus non-organic, local, which I think is every bit as important as organic, maybe more so. Food is not coming long distances the way it does nowadays in many cases. The average distance to food travels is a thousand miles. Did you know that? Nowadays in 2016, the average distance, sometimes it's thousands of miles coming from New Zealand, coming from Chile, getting grapes from Chile in the middle of winter. So food travels long distances as much as you can eat locally. Yeah. That's a great green choice to make. Support your local growers, your and farmers. Build markets. your local economy. Yeah. Absolutely. Very important to eat locally. It's also very inexpensive to go to local farmer's markets. So you're getting in touch with the local growers. When you go to a farmer's market, you can meet them personally and get the uh, benefits cash-wise. But unfortunately, th- those only happen like once a week. So what if you're, you know... I, I, well, you can you can stock up on stuff, put it in the fridge. You're going to have a lot of produce that's going to last a week. But there are those companies now that are like bringing you, delivering have, it for yeah, you. Yeah, they have such people that come with a food box. You can be part of something called CSA, Community Supported Agriculture. You can sign up and you're a subscriber. And it's great for the farmer and it's great for the person. Let me explain how it's great for the person. You get a box of food of a certain amount. They say it's so many pounds of fresh fruit and vegetables. And here are the categories. You're going to get a certain amount of carrots, depending on the crop, a certain amount of squash, a certain amount of leafy greens. And you get that in a box and you pay a certain amount of money. And it's good for you. But I don't think you can determine what, like if you're going to make a carrot soup, you can't no, say, give me carrots. No, you get they just, what, they, okay. what they give you within right. certain parameters. But here's how it's good for you. You get all that fresh produce and it's much cheaper than buying that good organic produce. And many of them are organic. That you're getting that mm. locally grown stuff and you know that it's a lot cheaper than going through the market and all the middlemen, the distributors and everything. Here's how it's good for the farmers. They get all that money up front in the growing season, and they know I've got this amount of cash coming in, and so they can go and buy their seeds and pay for their water and pay all their property taxes and everything because they get a set amount of money coming in directly from the consumer. They don't have to wait for it. So it's good for the consumer and good for the local uh, agriculture and it'd as well. it would be great for me. Well, considering I don't like to go to grocery stores. I want to make sure everybody goes and checks out what's available in your neighborhood as far as price and buying food in bulk. There's Super King that sells food at a great price, food in bulk, uh, fresh food. We're talking about produce. And check that out. See if there's a place like that. Or produce from Costco, is a lot of it's organic now, and a lot of it's very inexpensive. If you're buying in bulk, you've got a family where it makes sense to buy that amount of bananas or oranges or what have you. They're not going to go bad. Check that out and go to Super King or Costco, and you're going to get good deals on food. That's a great alternative to uh, the fast food nightmare that's probably in those low-income neighborhoods too, you know, the things that are just not going to sustain you. Here's what I do when I go to the grocery market. And I think we should say in all fairness, I do most of the grocery shopping, don't I? You do pretty much do all of this. I do mostly. <laughs> you pretty much do. 98%. Everything that's green, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I do that. Yeah. And I'm happy to do it, but I enjoy doing it. I like having a full pantry. He I like having it. a full fridge. I like having a full backyard with lots of food growing in it. So I know I have lots of access to food from myself and my family. And when you go there, you know, just... Make up that list before you go so you're not getting carrots and go, oh, I already have carrots, you know, that are going to go bad. One of, one of the batches of carrots that you got is going to go bad if you're not okay, going to make carrots. Okay, one thing I could say you could do more is read the expiration dates. Read them. I know you can't. You know that expiration dates are all baloney. Well, sometimes, really? Talk to somebody who's running a food bank. Nobody's ever gotten sick from these things. Years expired. Years. I'm going to no, say this but right now. Fresh produce. It's all baloney. 
It's something that a lawyer made them put on. Uh, well, sometimes now, it just doesn't taste as good, okay? It's gone a little bad. I, I'm not. I'm talking about canned goods in this case, well, I'm not honey. talking about canned goods. Okay. I don't find oh, canned goods. When you're talking about expiration date, there's a little leeway involved, but you're right to adhere to those expiration dates on a sandwich sitting in a refrigerator yeah. somewhere at a market. Absolutely. I do that, too. Everybody does, and you should. But I'm talking about canned goods. They have those expiration dates. It, you, you could go way beyond them, is my point. And there I said it and let the lawyers come after yeah, me. Great but it's Ed, true. Thanks. Talk to anybody who runs a food bank. There's people regularly getting crates of food from it. People who uh, have, uh, you know, uh, low income and what have you come getting food from these food banks with cans of beans and things. Years expired. Nobody's gotten sick. They won't get sick. They never will because it's something that the lawyers made them put on for a can and it doesn't really apply. Maybe five years after okay, the expiration so date. Okay, so food that's been years, prepared at the grocery store, like pre-made food, you know, like... I'd be careful with that. The, you don't want to eat yeah. food that's spoiled. Smell it. Well, You've no, got a I gas mean, chromatograph but, on the end of your face. It's called your nose. You've got a mass spectrometer at the end of your face. It's oh, called your it. nose. Smell it. See if you smell some funk. If you smell some funk, don't eat it. Why don't you just read it. the expiration date? Read the expiration date for that kind of fresh food. I'm with you. You know, I buy a certain amount of frozen stuff when I'm on the run. I like those Amy's meals, those kind of organic, healthy Amy's meals. They're vegetarian. They're vegan. They're really good. It's like a, you know, little Mexican food plate, and they're frozen, but they're they don't sure don't taste frozen. You heat them up, and they're really delicious. There's other. I, you know, I've never ever seen. I mean, it's very rare you can get fresh peas. I've always only eaten frozen peas. You can get fresh peas at nearly any market you just got to yeah. spend the time and shuck, shuck them. them i don't want to shuck them you don't want to so shuck peas is do you the peas frozen they're probably frozen just are pretty good peas why I'll, wouldn't I'll they give be you that. yeah so it's better than canned peas right yeah canned peas sometimes are not green they're gray you know they've been yeah. in the can too long i'm so, talking i've been singing the praises here of canned food and the expiration date but some some of these peas they're not exactly the most tasty peas in the canned variety so frozen is a good option there's lots of Vegetables you can get frozen and have really good flavor to them. So that's a. And I use a lot of frozen fruit, maybe for my smoothies and stuff. So you use it for your arthritis. You use yeah, it for I the use, wounds and I the, uh, the injuries. trouble that you have with muscle injuries. You occasionally eat it, but you're mostly using it as a cold pack. Let's well, be honest. It has many purposes. You know, local farmers markets are great. Buying organic at the regular supermarket is great. Buying local at the regular supermarket is great. But what could be more local? What could be more organic? What could be fresher? than growing food in your backyard. And I do very much appreciate that you like that and that you do that because I really like going out in the backyard and picking something off the vine and eating it right then and there. Well, that, you're from Georgia, so you know about true. fresh tomatoes and fresh corn. It's something that's with part them, of your life. Grew up with them, had them all the time. Uh, we, obviously, in the summer, in the spring, in the summer. I mean, we didn't have them in the winter. You know, you don't have it like here in California. We can grow all year round. I had it a bit growing up because I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. And back when I was a kid... In the 50s, there was still a lot of agriculture in the San Fernando Valley. So I grew up with it. So by the time I finally had my first piece of property I could call my own, I grew a vegetable garden. I started making compost. Well, not you before. You are my father. That's what my father did. Does that frighten you yeah, when you say those scary. words? Yeah, it should. a little bit. Yeah. Tell your therapist. You yeah, want to jot I, that honey, down, put in a piece of paper and take it It's been recorded. Okay, okay good. Yeah. But before escrow closed in my first home I ever bought in July of 1979, 
What did I do weeks before that, perhaps a month or so before that? I timed out a delivery date for a huge compost drum, a big one, bigger than anyone you've ever seen here. It was big. I believe It had a you. handle and a whole thing. And I it know. Spun around I know it. I can and it was great. envision it. And right away, the first, my first time out of the gate, I had a great vegetable garden. When I was a kid, I remember planting some radishes or other stuff, and then we got suddenly... I, my first thing I ever planted was a radish. Because they grow so quickly and so why? easily. Everybody starts was... with radishes. That's what they tell kids oh, to plant, because okay. you get an instant reward. And let me tell you how <laughs> hardy these radish seeds are. Right after I planted these radishes, cause I, and I did it for the specific reason of wanting to have access to food... You know, for emergencies and what you know, have you. You thought there was going to be the food wars and, you know, Armageddon or something. I always thought they were going to drop though. a bomb and yeah, do something crazy. And I somehow thought my delusion I was going <laughs> to still be growing food after. <laughs> I didn't know about nuclear winter yet. I didn't yeah. quite understand a lot of science. But I grew these radishes and they started to germinate and started to come up. And my dad says, you know what? We're going to Europe. When are we going? We're going in a couple of weeks. And we're going to be gone for three weeks. So I was gone for three weeks of no watering. And I had planted these radishes, and I didn't have anybody coming by to Did you sleep at night? They still survived. (laughs) I mean, they weren't very good. No. But they somehow got enough moisture from some overspray from something. I don't know where they got moisture from, but there was no automatic sprinkler system back then. You had a sprinkler key that you turned on. Nobody had automatic electric valves. Somehow they got enough. You are old, aren't you? I am, aren't I? Yeah, you're a little old. But the radishes were kind of messed up looking, but I went, God, life finds a way. Like, you know, Richard Richard Attenborough says... In the you know Jurassic Park, you know life finds a way, and it does find a way. It somehow survived my neglect, and I went. If I and ever so do ha- I. So there you are. Exactly. Yeah. But when I finally got my own home with a watering system, I could call my own and everything. Well, not automatic yet, still by hand, but I was diligent about it. I started to grow food, and right out of the gate, I had an incredible garden: delicious corn, delicious tomatoes spinach, broccoli, carrots. I did it all right away and it grew wonderfully because I knew about good soil right away. I had the You other... have come a long way, baby. I have, haven't I? Yes, you have. But I've had a good garden every year since 1979 and the only time I haven't had a garden is these 2 years of us being vagabonds and nomads right. without a home. And uh, so, so you think soil is the key? S- good soil good, is Good healthy the... soil, soil structure, lots of organic matter. I used to go, as I did recently, to the local uh, you know, pony ride or what have you and get some good horse manure. Yeah, That's he did good, that just the other day. It was crazy, but nonetheless. You know, you go and introduce that into a pile of compost, like starting a good yogurt you know, with acidophilus. It's like the right kind of culture for compost. It gets it hot and fired up right away, and you get good compost much more quickly if you put a shovel full of horse manure. And let me tell the people out there that are listening the key to making good compost. There's an a carbon to nitrogen ratio you have to get just right. And there's a number that I don't know. You know why I don't know the number? Because you don't need to know it either. You need to only have half brown and half green, and it comes out perfect every time. Half brown and half green. Let me explain what, I'm, what I mean by those two different distinctions. Brown is brown leaves, brown grass clippings, brown sawdust. That's brown. Green is green leaves, green grass clippings, green table scraps, that's green. Half brown, half green, keep it moist but not soaking wet. How about perfect compost every single time? You somehow, by doing that, have the perfect nitrogen to carbon ratio. Amazing, huh? Amazing. You know, truthfully, not everyone has a garden in their backyard. I mean, majority of people I know don't. Come on, now wait a second. Your father had a garden in his backyard. People that you know have gardens. A lot right. of people have I mean, gardens. Tony Taby has a garden. There's lots of people. But isn't that, we... that the exception, not the norm? 
You may think so. There might be some truth to that in our demographic, the kind of, you know, entertainment community. I'm not sure if everybody in that community has a garden. I know they don't, not I mean, everybody. it would be great if people took more advantage of the yard or the, the ground that they have. Here's what I want you to do. The next time I take an Amtrak trip, I want you to come with me. No. Go cross country in an Amtrak and look. Cause you, get, you know why? You get to look in people's okay. backyards I'll for free. You're driving on the train. And there's lots of vegetable gardens out there. I know because really? I've seen them. And let me tell you who pulls ahead of us. This is a great country, the United States. But you go to the UK, every no, single... No, I know that. I know you that. Go, everybody's got a little in their backyard right. in the UK on British Rail. You'd see two or three out of hundreds of homes that didn't have a vegetable That's garden true. in the backyard. Everybody's got one in the back. Or if they don't have a, a backyard growing vegetables because they got no backyard, they have what's called an allotment somewhere else, mm-hmm. what it, we call here a community garden. Well, they really and do uh, cherish their fresh-grown produce, no question about it. And it's something about being British. At some point, you just find yourself with, yourself with a trowel in your hand, and it's just the every British is, person I know. The truth is, I didn't even know. know that. There, I didn't. I mean, I knew about gardens because we've my father always had one, but I didn't know about fresh anything until I moved to England. I actually moved from Atlanta to England, and I thought, you know, meat came from the meat department at Kroger. You know, I didn't. I never got the connection to the earth and all that. Isn't that funny? I ended up with you, though. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? There was an organic theme somewhere in your past. You know what? I bet some of our listeners are growing vegetables in their backyard, growing vegetables in a community garden, growing vegetables in a windowsill facing south. Give us a call. Drop us an email. Let us know what you're growing and where. You can and even do a picture. I think tweeting, you can pic- do, send pictures, right? You can send pictures. And please, let's restrict it to fruit and vegetables. Let's not have any <laughs> cannabis uh, plants. Yeah. I mean, we don't mind that people are doing that, of course. We're not prudes. But uh, let's keep it to those kinds of plants edible that are edible. things, yeah. You know, food waste, we've talked about a bit as far as eliminating food waste by composting. Now, keep in mind that you want to just compost vegetable matter. You don't want to put all your bones and chicken and T-bone steak <laughs> remains and all of that in there. But here's a situation which you can't so you don't put, want to put any animal products in You don't. No. But there's a situation which you can put all of that. Large-scale cafeterias at universities, at colleges, at different industrial facilities that have large cafeterias, people that are serving, you know, 50 or more people in a cafeteria, they do food waste recycling with a large drum composter. Then you can put everything in really? there. Really? And they separate it they, out? I've never They don't separate it out, honey. They just grind it up. It's all ground up. All the bones and meat and everything and all the stuff is ground up. It's put into a big vat. There's a company called Four Solutions that's doing it. They have the better mousetrap. And there's lots of laws in place right now that are going into effect as this broadcast cast is occurring. The laws are starting to go into effect in Massachusetts, California, many other states. So now you have to keep that food waste out of the waste stream. There are statutes that dictate it. Mm-hmm. And this company, Four Solutions, has a, a system, a large, it's like a drum that would barely fit in this room. It's so big. And it, uh, it breaks down all that organic matter that includes meat and animal products. So wow. there's ways to deal with that on a large scale So you facility. just don't have to feel guilty about not cleaning your plate anymore, huh? No, all that waste is recycled. And here's the great thing about it, the way it really pencils out money-wise. The laws are in place and you got to deal with it. So that's the law and you got to adhere to it. But what do you need on a university campus? What do you need at a big industrial park, what have you? Most of these places have some sort of ornamental plants or vegetable gardens, mostly ornamentals, where they're growing things. And what are they regularly buying for those ornamentals? They're buying bags of compost all but the that time. Com- I thought, but I thought you couldn't put animal products in. You absolutely can oh. when you're doing this kind of 
there's a amount of heat that uh, occurs in this process. There's amount of breakdown that occurs. All the pathogens are destroyed. And you can use this to grow all kinds of crops on these college campuses and these industrial parks and these big Google kind of facilities or Microsoft or Apple kind of parks. All these people are doing food waste recycling in their cafeterias now. The, right. the good guys are doing it right away. Because what's the alternative if they don't Put do that? Put it in the trash and it's just a big mess. All that wonderful organic matter is going to waste and not used. It's and mixed it in could with, be causing big problems, couldn't it? Well, what causes the bigger problems is the half-used cans of lacquer thinner that people put in the trash, the old paint cans or the toxic batteries and that stuff. So it's all mixed in together. So that organic matter from the cafeteria is gone to us forever now because it's mixed with all that oh. really bad crap. But the good stuff... You know, can all that organic matter can be retrieved from industrial food recycling programs like Four Solutions? My dilemma with food is one, I like to eat, but I really don't necessarily like cooking. I know you like to cook, but I do know that I have relied way too much on uh, restaurants, and um, you know, we could be a lot richer had we not eaten out every meal. And not only could we be a lot richer, we could also be a lot healthier. I think r- restaurants, because their their bottom line is making money, they're not always in our best interest. Would you agree? I would agree, but I want to tell you, there's, I think, a little bit of difference in the way when we sometimes eat separately, the way we eat. I always go for the healthiest. You often do, but I go for the healthiest stuff. When I drive cross-country, and I've many times, long before I had a smartphone, before smartphones existed, I would go around Main Street USA, any mall USA, and drive around and find a healthy Chinese, Japanese, Indian restaurant, Italian, you know, local family restaurant. Yeah, in but small that's town America. come on. A lot of, mostly you're looking at, you know, Jack in the Box and, That's you what know. I'm saying. I'm avoiding that, honey. I'm going out of my way to avoid that. But they're not, I mean, they're not, ethnic food is, yes, can be, I might add, can be uh, healthier for you. Not always It the case. almost always is, honey. Healthier than all the additives and the things and the hormone-fed everything. Well, what about Chinese food? And they added all that MSG for you go, years. I go to places that either have the sign-up says no MSG, That's and new. if I don't see it, then I ask them to do no MSG. But if you go to a local restaurant in small-town America, which I did many times in the 90s and beyond, I would go and look on the menu for healthy stuff, pea pods and broccoli and fresh tofu and mushrooms and all that good stuff. I would have a good meal for very little money just by driving around Main Street America looking for a good local restaurant or go to you know any mall USA. And this is driving cross country and people say, oh, I got to stop there at the, uh, the fast food chain because I don't have a choice traveling. You do have a choice even traveling. And you have a choice. Well, now you you have more choices because, like, places like Chipotle and, you know, and Sharkies and all those places that are committed to organic produce, committed to having free range chicken. Correct. It's easier now, but even when it was hard, I went the extra mile and I did it. Well, you're just weird, okay? You do that. But I'm just saying, I'm just talking about us mere mortals, my dear, okay? It is possible to eat healthy no matter what the obstacles. You just got to really put in the extra time. And it's, I'll tell you, every time I ate at that local Chinese, Japanese Thai restaurant, Main Street America, or any mall America. It was always very inexpensive too. I got out of there for $11, for $9, for, you know, $8 sometimes for a delicious plate of food. So, you know, you look at what it costs and then not only the cost when you pay for your bill at one of those fast food joints, but the cost in healthcare, no. what it costs when you have diabetes and you have all kinds of other problems from too much salt, too much sugar. You know, if you eat healthy, 
you know, you're going to save a lot of money in the long run on health care costs. So I think that's something people got to start taking into account. Well, no question about it. I mean, certainly I think sugar is one of our the biggest pro- certainly one of the biggest problems in my life right now. Thank God that is my biggest problem. As you get older, you get have to deal with this little thing called inflammation. And boy, do I have it in spades, you know. But I like sugar. I, I know was, you're always inflamed at me. I am always inflamed. But nonetheless, it's in everything, you know. So you got to learn how to read your labels and all of that. And, I, you know, who wants to take that time? But uh, as you get older, you, you're you willing. Do I, have I said I've gotten older recently? You said it a few I times. Don't know what Are I you mean going by through that? a midlife crisis? A, no, no, no. I'm just saying it's it, it, it is a bit of a crisis. I think if you hurt, you have aches and pains, you want to address them. You want, I like feeling good. Me too. So so I eat healthy and I exercise and uh, haven't exercised lately. I had a couple of uh, surgical things done. I had a, a bilateral hernia, so I had to take care of that. So I'm I'm slowing down a little bit today. That's this true. is me slowed down. Yeah. You know, we always hear about these food recalls, and uh, I think it's important that there's some level of consumer protection that's in place so people know when there's a breakout, uh, you know, the FDA and people are on top of it, there's a breakout of E. coli, um, you know, some problem like that. Which is extremely uh, serious, and it affected our lives because our granddaughter almost passed from it. That's right. She had a a very bad case of E. coli. Somehow, we still don't know to this day how she got it, but she did. She got a case of uh, E. coli that was debilitating. They often don't know what it is right away, and they didn't in this case. They just thought she had the flu at first, and the flu turned bad, and it was worse and worse, and finally they did the right kind of test and determined that. And uh, she pulled through, and indeed, she has no permanent effects from it, which is extraordinary. It's kind of a miracle. Right. So um, it's something that's touched our lives, and there's food recalls of many different varieties that happen from time to time. So you got to be careful and stay plugged into your different uh, media so you know when that's happened. And if you've had some product that is part of that recall, you know, get it out of your house right away, dispose of it. And if you've already uh, consumed it, you know, get to your healthcare professional and see what steps you need to take. I know, but even places that are committed to, you know, free range chicken and, and, you know, locally grown, I mean, even Chipotle had a big problem recently. I These mean, are good people that have a I tremendous know. amount of care. It can happen. It happened. People think it's just on meat. You know, that's normally where it is in hamburger meat. That's where, where it often is. But it happened uh, uh, many shipments of spinach and lettuce a while ago. And that's these right. are good organic growers and what have you. But that it was too close to a cattle field or something. I can't remember the yeah. details of how it happened. But they had some E. coli in those conditions uh, that the lettuce was tainted with and the spinach was tainted with. So you got to be careful, and you have to have lots of protections in place, and watch out for those alerts and, and heed them. Okay, green or garbage? Is a microwave a green choice to cook food or a garbage choice? Tell it's me your opinion. It's a green choice for me, but what is it? What's the, de- what is it? What's the truth? This is going to surprise our podcast listeners. It's going to maybe anger some people, but I'm going to say it, and I mean it. It is often a very green choice. Why? Because I mean, the it- amount of wattage it takes to heat up food. People think it's somehow radioactive. People say nuke it. They yeah, use the word nuke yeah, like it's nuke. There's nothing nuclear about bad. it. It's moving electrons around the same way another thing moves electrons around. It's called a flame. What a really? flame does is it moves the electrons in a whatever you're making, a steak or a potato. It's making the lex- electrons bombard each other. And it's, you're that's not how making this up. You know this for a no, fact. No, this is the way it works, honey. And what else makes them move around? Microwave makes the electrons move around and they get hotter. 
It, it, you can do it with a flame. You can do it with a microwave. I always felt guilty using the microwave, and now I don't. The Isn't taste can be a little bit different. There are some yeah. people that have a theory that it's not as healthy for you. I've seen no scientific study that has been done, credible scientific study that says it's harming your body in some way to use microwave. Sometimes when you're on the run, you want to heat something. You can heat it up and move those molecules around with a flame, or you can do it with well, a microwave. Well, you know, there are places like the you know Optum Health Institute or places where they do cancer detoxing and all that. And they say, the first thing you should do is get your microwave out of the house. I'm open to seeing a new study, credible study, peer-reviewed study. I want to hear about it and see it. And if there's uh, something that I'm going to learn from that study, I will report it on this very show. But I've seen no such thing yet. So I use a microwave on occasion. And it is a green way to cook because it doesn't use a lot of energy. This week, I want to talk about compostable or biodegradable dinnerware. It's been a big concern of mine. You know, I'm always confused when I go to, you know, if I'm going to have a party, what the best thing, obviously real silverware is the best, but if you can't use real silverware, What's the next best thing? I, I, some things to say. I guess the bamboo ones or the sugar cane ones. But you can't, they're like ridiculous. You can't stab anything with them, they don't work. The ones I've had worked. Well, okay, some are compostable and some are biodegradable. What's the difference? Well, neither of them are compostable or biodegradable in a normal compost pile. They don't break down. You need an industrial drum Will they situation. break down then? Yeah, they most certainly will. But they don't say that. So basically they're selling you something sort of a little misleading. Is that correct? Well, some people might take it the wrong way. Yeah, you're right. Some people might not understand what it takes to break down you know, some of these plates and, and uh, you know, things made out of corn polymers or sugar But it's sugar better cane. than plastic. It's much better than plastic. But the truth is, you don't want to have some of this corn polymer stuff that still has plastic, and then you got some plastic dust all over the place. You don't want plastic dust. That's not Okay, healthy. so can you wash it and reuse it? The bamboo ones, yeah. Those bamboo ones you can. The ones really? That are com- yeah, I've seen people wash them. Yeah, but reason. maybe it's a little. You funky, can certainly right? put them in the green bin. Here's what you can do: a lot of that stuff you can just put in the green bin. If you have a green bin program in your community, like we you do mean in you LA. put it where the the put it where the lawn stuff. You could put pieces stuff. of wood. Oh, you could put leaves or like. Yeah, but it's got food on it. It's fine. It's food as long as you don't have chicken or fish on it. Or meat yeah, bones. Yeah, probably if you have bamboo forks and knives, you're not eating chicken or meat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you do, just scrape it off. Just put on the bamboo plate. You can put it in your green bin. It'll, they're going to grind it up anyway in a big drum grinder. Really? Yeah, that's what you they do. You know that for sure. For certain. You've seen it. I've been there. Oh, I've been you're to so where the, weird. Why would you go there? Why wouldn't I go there? You don't want to see how it works? No, not really. How does really. this stuff work? I don't Where does really it all go? Care. How can you put in a green bin leaves and pieces of wood and giant stalks from your garden how can you do that? How does that all break down? It doesn't make sense. It's not going to break down. Well, if you grind it all up and pulverize it, it sure as hell breaks down. Okay, good to know. So you can rest assured, if you had a concern, Ed has checked it all out and it's kosher, Well, right? not everything, but I do what I can. I know, you do what you can. Yeah, I got an interesting gadget that's food-related, something I wanted to get for a while, and it's really a function of my age. And it's something, 
you responded to right away. You'll remember right away when I tell you what it is. It's a jar opening tool. That's true. And it's really uh, high tech. I mean, it's not electric. It's not high tech in that way. It's high tech mechanical, but it's really a very effective jar opener because that apple juice, whatever reason, the organic apple juice that I buy at Whole Foods, that somehow is beyond my capability to open that. You slam it down on the floor and then I do that. I tap it on the thing, but that takes time. Now you just get the little wrench out of the door. Because you can't bend over. I went to (laughs) Williams-Sonoma and I got it. I knew they would have one at Williams-Sonoma. I went there and got it. You love gadgets, though. I love Williams-Sonoma. Yeah, you do. It's time again for Ask the Begley's. We answer any questions you might have about leading a more sustainable life. Uh, This week, specifically in the field of food. Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions, and we really appreciate it. If you'd like to shoot us a question for future episodes, you can email us at begleyesk at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 657-BEGLEY-3. Our first question. Hi, Ed and Rochelle. Um, I'm Hannah from Los Angeles, and lately I've been looking into veganism because I hear there's, there are lots of physical and ethical benefits. Uh, so I was just wondering, what are the green benefits for becoming vegan? Here's why I think it's better to eat lower in the food chain. What I mean by that is more plant food than meat. In my case, all plant food and no meat, but you can draw that line wherever you want. You could be a a vegetarian and not a vegan, so you eat some dairy, you have some you know, cheese or milk or eggs. I happen to be a vegan, but different people draw that line in different places, and all those are fine choices. It's all better to do it that way, I think. It's healthier to eat lower in the food chain, and a lot of doctors, AMA typical doctors, are recognizing that now. Uh, people who eat meat even, they eat meat less. I'm married to a very healthy person. She rarely eats red meat. She eats a lot of a chicken or fish, and, and that's working for her. You'd be talking about me, right? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, is, it, is there anything to, I mean, is it true that um, cows produce methane and they're the biggest contributor to CO2 in the atmosphere? Is that true or is that myth? That's what uh, several, many credible studies have suggested. Certainly people like the Union of Concerned Scientists and lots of other people that really look into things deeply, look at the whole life cycle of, you know, growing beef, you know, how much land it takes to grow a pound of beef versus how much land it takes to grow a pound of grain or a pound of broccoli, uh, how much methane is released from the process of growing vegetables. And there's methane that escapes from, you know, organic matter breaking down, which it eventually does in, uh, in your body and elsewhere. But Boy, how much methane... does it methane, break down in this house? <laughs> <laughs> how much methane is released from eating beef from the process of growing and nurturing cows for that period of time? all the the long life of a cow, how much methane is produced from both ends of the cow, a lot of methane comes out. So it's something to consider. How much CO2, how much water, how much methane. And so it's better environmentally, when you look at all those factors, to eat a plant-based diet as as much as you can. You know, and and if you aren't, Ed, you do the best you can, and you just cut down. I certainly have cut down a lot in the, the amount I eat. I mean... Believe me, I don't eat a steak and not feel guilty. I still eat a steak every once in a while, like maybe once a year, but I think about it. But I don't judge people by what they eat. If I did, I wouldn't have any friends. If I judge people 
by the house they live in or the car they drive or the food they eat. You can't, no. well, you can do that, but I choose not you to. I choose to be very it. inclusive and encourage people to eat as much plant-based food as they can. Nobody's perfect. There's certainly been cases where there's been dairy See, and something and no that I've... no one's perfect. And exactly. that, I'm glad you said so that. So you do the best you can. See, I am. And it's come from lots of different studies, very credible studies. Right. The China study talked about right. diet and about why people in the West get cancer so much and other different heart disease, lots of other ailments in the West, and why Chinese people don't. People in Asia get it a lot less. And then when those same Chinese people move here and they start eating our food instead of their traditional foods, why do they then get the same amount of diabetes and heart disease and all those things? And the theory of the book, one that I subscribe to myself, is that eating so much beef, eating so much meat on such a regular basis, and many of the things involved in the quote-unquote American diet are not entirely in your best okay, interest. Okay, but you know what? India has a very high rate of diabetes, and because of the carbs that they consume, because they're vegetarians. Uh, that's news to me. I'm learning something that's now, which I'm going to check out. I'm going to do fact checking yep, to see if true. you're telling the truth. I didn't true. know that there's an outbreak of it's diabetes. It's not outbreak. In- it's just they have a high uh, percentage news of to their me. population. I want to learn more about that, but they certainly don't Maybe have the heart disease and they don't have the uh, cancer that we do, uh, they have much lower levels because they eat uh, a mostly plant-based diet. They eat a lot of plant-based foods in India. So They have a lot of diabetes. We're learning now that this is an IDF study, and it might be a credible study. I'm going to look into this, but yeah. I want to tell you what's happening in India, and it's happening around the world. And we've seen it recently ourselves traveling to Asia. People what? are developing more American eating habits. They have three Kentucky Fried Chickens in India. That's it. That's a big country. Well, the, how many other fast food restaurants do they have? How many McDonald's? They don't have a lot of fast food there. Well, they may not. Maybe in they have Mumbai, some. but not in you know rural. I'm India. sure in local they markets. Bear- I know they're selling little sugary drinks and things like that, and little things that they didn't sell just a few years ago. That's what's happening. That's one of the many changes that's happening in India. They're starting to eat more Western foods. They see them that's uh, not the, the media case. and what this, have you, and they. It's the carbohydrate loading. So bottom line is the carbohydrates. And how they break down. Maybe they're more susceptible to it. Maybe whatever. But But for thousands of years, that's a culture that's been around a long time. I don't know that they had diabetes in their long history. What's different? And I think what's different is they're still eating all those carbs. You're right. That's a factor. But what's the other factor? They're probably having more sugar, more uh, other Western foods that they're craving because they're being exposed to it for the first time, because they're getting satellite dishes for the first time. They're seeing media for the first time. And they're starting to want some of these junky things. Well, it's an interesting... uh, I'd like to learn more about it. I want to get informed. Let's find out. Have you ever been to India? Neither of you, but well, my daughter's been to India. I know. All right. I'll ask her. Okay, to wrap up this episode, we want to highlight some of the main points. Number one, buy organic and locally whenever possible. Two, better yet, grow your own food, make your own backyard, your grocery store. Changing to a plant-based diet is one of the best ways you can reduce your carbon footprint. It doesn't have to be done all at once. The easiest way is to start small. Well, that's all for this episode, and I sure hope you learned some tips about spending less of the planet and less of your dollars on food. Make sure to subscribe to Begley-esque on iTunes for future episodes. Leave a rating and a review. We want to know what you think. Do a little, do a lot, just do something today, and tell us, please, what you did. Thank you to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. This podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.